0: So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. So I just want you to imagine that, oh, you decide I'm going to write a little novel and I'm going to smatter it with some things that maybe some people in the world don't really want to hear about, but hey, life is life and reality is reality. And guess what? You happen to not be gay, bi, trans, any of that, but you feel the calling to support that community. Well, that's what we're talking about today on Life Uncloseted, the podcast. And I feel really blessed that this person said, hey, Rick, (laughs) I think we should have a podcast. She was really pushy too, just saying that. Uh, No, she wasn't. But um, I'm really excited to be talking to Kelly Wolf, who has a brand new book out called Mount Hope. Yeah. And she's everything I just said. She's a supporter of our community. She believes that everybody has a right to be who they are. She's done some pretty interesting things in her life, like avoiding bombs in London, and you know, Irish shoe dancing. I, wow, you know, you yeah. go girl. Uh, yeah, that she's yeah, and then, well, you know, hey, being a, uh, being a contestant on Ellen's, you know, Game of Games, I mean, hello, bow down to the queen there. But um, <laughs> anyway, I'm so happy to have you here
1: today. I'm thrilled to be here, Rick. And really, I'm so excited really that your excited. book's out. I mean... I know. I'm going to scream just a minute.
0: There you go. There you awesome. Go. I love it. That's okay. It's I, all good.
1: It's, it's launched. It's happening. So there you go. I'm, yeah. I'm a little off the ground.
0: Yeah little off the ground gal from like, you know, Colorado, Kansas. It's like really you into LGBTQ stuff. Oh,
1: Oh, Midwest.
0: <laughs> yeah. In the Midwest. Mm. I grew up yeah. in the Southwest. So hmm, Arkansas, Oklahoma, I feel you. I feel you. So, uh, Oh
1: yeah. All the same people almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And bless their hearts. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Okay, so shooting real straight here. You're not gay, lesbian, bi, trans, none of that. But you have a really open heart to this.
1: Well, I do. And I will say I'm a little bi. I'm I'm a little bi. Can I still stay?
0: Yeah, thank God.
1: Yeah. Listen, I um, have been surrounded by gay people my whole life. And I consider that a privilege and a luxury. And I've just family on all sides, friends. I have a transgender daughter. And I was a teacher for uh, in another life and had students who were very brave and came out. I ran the diversity club at my high school. And so oh my goodness, do I have a fondness for this community? And I wanted to contribute something. And I'm a good storyteller and decided this might be my little window into contribution. So I have written a novel. It took me seven years to write. It was it was a tricky one. I've joked before. It's sort of my rated R Jesus novel. And- mm-hmm. The reason I love it's that, about- by the Jesus. way,
0: I love that description. Yeah, it's really well, good. Well, you should trademark. You should trademark
1: that. <laughs> yeah, you really. I should. have lots of things. Okay, I'm on it. Just one minute <laughs> to write that down. Yeah. So the idea here is, is that sadly. Sadly, in America, Christianity mm-hmm. has become the weapon of choice, right, to marginalize yep. and discriminate against our people. And Mount Hope uses allegory and dramatic storytelling, just like the Bible does. You know, intriguing literature with metaphors and allegory and parables and symbols. And so, basically, the premise of this book is is that, well, let me start this. I grew up in Topeka, Kansas. They're the home of Westboro Baptist Church. Mm and one of my favorite
0: churches
1: oh yes the very famous with uh, a
0: great amount of sarcasm Mm
1: -hmm. oh i sense your sarcasm and echo it and um and so because this hate group has been in my entire um, childhood growing up practically um they're part of this story and the idea is is that If Jesus were to come down right now and actually say, you know what, I don't have a problem with people being gay, you got it wrong. Would that change their mind? Would that change a lot of people's mind in Christianity who act as gatekeeper to the kingdom, right? Right. And so that's sort of where this premise started from. But also, I have so many friends and family that grew up in faith. And when they realized that their identity or sexuality was not invited inside of church doors, they had to make a decision between their genuine faith and love in God and also Preserving their own life by being authentic to who they are. And so that crisis of faith has hurt a lot of my precious friends and family. So this book speaks to people who uh, would like to be reintroduced to the Jesus I know, who actually loves and adores them just the way they are, and also to the Pharisee that um, could maybe use a fresh perspective on this and quit acting as the gatekeeper to uh, the throne. So it's challenging. Uh, I had to speak to a lawyer and a risk management team in order to go here. Um, but because I'm including Westboro Baptist Church's characters in the book, mm. Jesus is actually a character in the book who is speaking. Mm. So the premise here is, is that a horrible hate crime happens and um, the investigation is led by a fabulous lesbian woman. And as it
0: should be, just saying, always as it should be.
1: I know, I know, and and so she is challenged by not only Westboro Baptist Church but other church entities in the community because it was a young gay man who was brutally, brutally murdered. And the other plot line of this is Jesus is having a conversation with that gay man, and they're having a conversation about being gay and what it's like to live truth. and And basically, it all comes down to Jesus saying. Uh, I don't care how you decorate your locker. I just care that we're in a relationship together and how we walk down the hallway together. And so it's not, I'm not pulling any punches. I'm going right for the um, answers to those crisis questions that a lot of my friends and dear ones have sadly had to face. So it's pretty riveting. It's rated R because of the criminal stuff that's in there. Uh, Really dark hate crime. It's dedicated to Matthew Shepard and a portion of the proceeds go to him. And so it is just, I am in love with this passion project and I'm eager for people to see it. And it's a way to experience the divine through your own lens without it being filtered through somebody else's lens and to just be loved on. And also, it's just a really good story. It's really, really, really good. Sounds amazing. It's so good. It's so good.
0: That's so cool. And it's so interesting, too, to just like to just kind of sit back and listen to you say some of the things you said because every step of the way, it's like, I just kept thinking in my head, well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they love to throw. (laughs) they love to throw yeah. that out there but man they sure don't like it when you like try to throw that back at them because it's like yeah. well but but no that it's different it's different you know well, and well, it's like why is it different
1: well the truth is is that there are a lot of really intelligent people who argue on both sides of this biblical narrative right there right. it's a mm-hmm. battleground and we've all heard people throw bible verses back and forth to each other. And those kinds of apologetic arguments, I'm just not interested in them. I mm-hmm. I love the Bible and I have a, a unique perspective on it, but I, I'm not interested in all of those theological gymnastics to sort of validate and argue that uh, a group of people should be treated with worth and dignity. I just, that being in, in a defensive place like that already assumes that um, this community is less than and and so there's lots of really intelligent people who are already having those arguments in nonfiction um, yep. formats this is one of the few that has the conversation in a fiction format so it's an experience but you know I in it we're talking about, conversion therapy and same-sex parent adoption and gay marriage and uh, transgender identities. And I just, it's all a conversation with Jesus and I'm hoping it's going to do a lot of healing and also a lot of um, softening hearts and teaching those who have very rigid, hateful ideas about this community and their inclusion in the kingdom. So it's an experience-
0: but it's already, it's already got a badge of honor. I don't know if you know that.
1: No, I don't.
0: It's going to be a banned book. So take the badge of honor <laughs> and wear it proudly, you
1: know? Oh, you're not kidding, Rick. You're oh, not kidding. You know,
0: it's funny because I was interviewing <laughs> another author. Um, oh, I, I interviewed quite a few authors. And, and right after the banned book thing started progressing, and he goes, I'm really proud of something. I'm like, really, what? He goes, my book is banned. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I never really thought of that. And I don't know. I, know. I, mean, I, I have no idea where my book is these days. I mean, I know it's on Amazon and it gets sold and everything. I doubt it's my book. Frankly, my dear, I'm gay. It's pretty crass and forward about somebody coming out midlife. So I know it's, I, I didn't purposely put it in kindergarten, even though that would actually probably be a really good place for that story to start to get told. So some little boy or girl doesn't wake up at 36 and go, oh, yeah, I did everything everybody else wanted out, but I'm actually gay. So,
1: yeah, but, yeah. you know,
0: I, I thought it was really interesting that he's like, yeah, I have a badge of honor about my book. I'm like, I was like, <laughs> what, did you win some prize or something? Because goes, yeah, my book got banned. I'm like, oh. That is kind of a badge of honor, you know, I mean,
1: it really is. And like I said, I, I in our pre interview, I mentioned that I can't I couldn't get this book. Um, mm-hmm, published. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's uh, traditional publishers don't know where to put it because it has a faith themes in it. Of yep. course, uh, Christian publishers wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole. No, and not. so I really had to, uh, because you're, in- you're
0: just blasphemous, you know? So
1: I know yes. they, I, they yeah. don't know what to do with me and that's okay. Cause I, I, I found a way to do it anyway, but the, the name of the book is Mount Hope, and it's a name of an actual cemetery in exactly. Topeka. And I have family buried there. And so but also um, Martin Luther King had mentioned in his very famous speech that uh, I have a dream speech that um, that that climbing the mountain of hope um, he mentioned in it, I can't give you the exact quote right now, but I like the idea of um, that, that quote is at the beginning of my book. And I like the idea of hope is defiant and Mm -hmm. it is a mountain to climb. And I think sometimes if people, the people who understand hope the most are the ones who have experienced hopelessness. And so if you have a pretty chill life and haven't had a lot of rocky ups and downs, hope is unnecessary to you. But if you have been in a place of complete isolation and devastation, then hope is what you hold on to. And so not only is it the name of the cemetery and a, a quote from Martin Luther King talking about the adversity of discrimination, but. But it's also this defiant thing that only people who have been marginalized can fully probably understand so or you can't say you're you can't
0: say you're a marginalized person who's deeply in hope just because your wine glass is empty i'm sorry that's a whole different ball game (laughs) i cry that every i cry that every friday saturday sunday night my wine glass (laughs) is empty my husband says shut the fuck up (laughs) there's 3600 bottles of wine over there go pick one and pour it okay Um, but um but no i I get it because and and this is This is where I always say, until you've stood in somebody's shoes that has been part of a marginalized community, and it's not you Christians who want your freaking guns. Sorry, that doesn't count. Um, But until you've literally been like, okay, but I might not be able to get medical care because I can't be on my husband's insurance because we're a same-sex couple, or I can't even get housing because I'm transgender. Or, you know, they won't even let me pee in the bathroom where I just got to go pee. Can I just go pee? I'm not going to do anything. I promise not to dribble on the floor. I just need to go pee. Yeah. You don't get it. You don't get to like, oh, but that's not what it's all about. Yes, that's what you people make it all about. And you're right, climbing those mountains of hope. I was, I never was suicidal. I will say that I was never suicidal. But when I finally did cross that bridge, for the second time of coming out of the closet, mm-hmm. there were moments. And now that I coach people through that, there were definitely moments. I'm like, this is hopeless. Why did I just do this? I can't even find somebody to fall in love with. Everybody thinks all I want to be as a gay man is to have sex with all these guys. And, you know, everybody hates me or I thought everybody hated me. The ones who hated me yeah. and needed to hate me and move on. I let them go. But yeah, but that hopelessness is a huge piece of the puzzle. And I'm so glad you're addressing that because it's got to be addressed.
1: Yeah, and the hypocritical piece of this, or the ironic piece of this, is that um, church is the purveyors of uh, hope, faith, and love, right? right. And so, um, and except if you're gay,
0: white, black, <laughs> Let, let's you're right, list, right?
1: It, you absolutely can, and I'm not saying all churches are like that because there's no, some affirming no ones out there that I am in love with, right? But the idea that You could possibly be tricked into the church doors because they appear to be, we welcome everyone and we want to have everybody included, excuse me one moment, Uh, we want to have everyone included and is a trick. Because they'll allow you inside and then guess what? Well, we won't actually marry you, right? And we're not going to let you baby dedicate or have any kind of leadership or teaching. And we're not going to let you lead worship or do formal prayer um, or or hand out communion. But you're welcome here. It's a trick. Mm -hmm. You're welcome here because we're hoping that we can change you, right? And so the idea of that is so devastating to someone who has a faith that they want to chase and not everybody does not everybody right. wants to have a, a relationship with the divine but this is right? the
0: this is the most wound i feel this is one of the most wounding pieces of the jury
1: i agree 100 i'm applauding you from colorado that because, is the biggest wound
0: and it, this was one of the biggest shifts that i it's so it's one of the biggest shifts when i started to question everything yeah. Because in college, I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, and I was in Seventh-day Adventist schools all the way till my second year of college. And when I got to college is when I started to go, wait, something isn't right here. Other than yeah. I knew I was like, wait, I, I think I really am attracted to guys. And I did come out to my parents. And then as I started to see like, wait, there's other weird things happening here that don't I don't. I I mean, I had been I had been put through the Bible and put through the Bible and put. of course, I always had to get a grade for it. You know, let's let's go there. Right. (laughs) Um, But I suddenly realized, wait, this stuff is not aligning. This stuff is not it's not helping the situation. And not just because I was gay. It's like there were so many things like I do know. okay. God love him, her, whatever it is up there. If I have to live in fear of that, I don't think I want that.
1: Yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly right. And, you know, most Americans, I'm not saying all, but most Americans have some sort of um, Christianity-based faith. We just, that's kind of a, a, a... Um, some would argue, the foundation of our country. And so, um, yeah, knowing the biblical uh, ideals and rules is uh, part of most of our growing up. And I guess that's why deconstruction is happening a lot right now. Deconstruction is sort of one of those code words that as really popular. And it's the idea that I've hit a wall and I can't seem to kind of rationalize between um, what I feel and experience and desire in a relationship with God. And then rationalize all of the ugly stuff that people are using it. I mean, there's people who use scripture as punishment for the kids. You know, you got in trouble, let's sit here and read two chapters, right? So it's super tricky and humans are clever enough to actually um, use it to manipulate and harm people. I remember the verse that caught me, if you don't mind me reading it, it's the verse that woke, woke me up to it because I kept, just like you, I kept hitting walls about rules about women and rules about sexuality and rules about um, the kind of uh, clothing you wear and uh, things that didn't feel important or relevant, especially in our culture and time. And I kept saying to myself, as long as Jesus gives scripture authority in his ministry, and then I have to sort of take it seriously or prioritize it a little bit. And when it's in it's in Luke and he's describing john the baptist and john the baptist is already in jail and he's about to be beheaded and jesus is speaking to a group of people wanting them to understand how important his role was in his ministry and he quotes a, a, a collection of verses from isaiah the prophet And I'm going to read just a couple lines of this. I'm I'm not going to go on about it. But the voice. so this is what Jesus is saying. John the Baptist is really important. This is why. Because in Isaiah, it says, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness is prepare the way for the Lord and make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight. And the rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Well, he gave authority to that scripture. But guess what? the valley never was literally filled and every mountain and hill was not literally made low when john the baptist started his ministry so this is allegory this is this is a storytelling metaphor in literature and when i read that it gave me permission because jesus said it himself he goes this is about john the baptist and it's all symbology it gave me permission to look at the entire bible that way and i now enjoy it and love it so much more because i can i can put it in the context of cultural and uh, poetry and the time back then and so i enjoy it more now that i've stopped m- trying to make it literal all the time and I think that's what the wall people keep hitting and the crisis of faith they keep hitting because I love the Lord the Lord loves me but I homosexuality is a sin I and I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself but I'm supposed to hate myself you see the gymnastics we're performing in our head here and so um so this this is my contribution to it's my love letter to this community saying Mm -hmm listen, the gatekeepers have got it wrong. And, and I know for a fact that Jesus is crazy about you. So this is an experience you can have. It's not apologetics. It's not battlefield, um, you know, throwing bombs of uh, (laughs) Bible verses at each other, just sit down and experience this and see if it feels right to you. And that's it.
0: So it's really ironic that you just read that. And it's been a long time since I even remember this happening. but I remember having an argument with someone around this exact set of verses. No,
1: really? Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. good.
0: And somebody said, if you really read the Bible, in fact, and I, uh, you know, again, I remember the exact passages that you just said, but the one line about, and the crooked will become straight. This is God telling you, you're being crooked and you need to go back to being your straight self. I'm like,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. That's amusing. Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow so that's how you're going to interpret that line of the bible oh my god
1: yeah see the gymnastics that were required for it's that like reasoning? oh wow
0: the crooked becomes straight <laughs> i i can't and i actually remember saying to this person i can't do this with you yeah because you just took one line and you morphed it you morphed it into some and i i said to them fucked up belief
1: yeah.
0: That that's how you interpreted that. So if you want, let's do you, shall we play the interpretation game?
1: Yeah. Because
0: I'm real good at that too. <laughs> and you don't want to <laughs> do that with me. <laughs> it's But it is, and it's sad because um, I mean, we, we could go on this all day long, but what, what I find the saddest. And i mean, it even comes out in the title of your book in my, in my being and in my, my way of being with God and spirit and all that sort of stuff. The one reason to be with God in spirit, for me, is hope.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Beautifully said.
0: And yeah. if and so, if you, as somebody who says, "Oh, I'm a Christian," and da da da, and you say, "But it, that's it, it's the hope of there's something beyond this," you just hypocritically took that all away. Yeah, because what you're saying is, well, that's only for those who believe this.
1: And I can't I just, rationalize how I can't a, a critical and unloving attitude that harms people is supposed to align with Jesus. I right. mean, that doesn't even make sense to me. The people he, he was most pissed off at was the Pharisees, the ones who yep. held on to their egos and their rules. So,
0: but it's playing out in modern times right now that, I mean, the Pharisees and holding on to their money and all this, I mean, uh, they, yeah. it hit me a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years ago, but you know, the root of all evil is money. I'm like oh this is so freaking true. Cuz yeah. if you really think about everything that happens it always comes back to money, money and power, money and power. Yep. All of it does. So if we can be yeah. in power and we can eliminate the 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 LGBTQ people it's about money. It's about power, because if they're gone, then we don't have to have our our funds going to support them and their transformations to be these weird transgender beings. And we don't have to have these like, you know, laws that say we have to support them, because if that law isn't in effect and that's money that doesn't get spent and, and we get that money back. It's, it's one of my own beliefs, like, wow, mm-hmm. you can tie everything back to money, every you bit can. of
1: it and power. I like that you added that in there. You know, I was really naive and I think it was 2015 when the Supreme Court passed this the uh, same marriage act. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that I had just started my book. I was literally like 10 chapters in and I thought, well, they don't need my book anymore. The, the utopia is going to happen that everyone mm-hmm. is going to accept. And, and it got worse. Yeah, sure. There are places that are inclusive and you can go get married and you can have a make a life for yourself that feels safe and validated. But my goodness, um, Mm -hmm. there are parts of it now that are worse. And so it didn't take me long to figure out that that marriage act in 2015 did not solve much. It just made people double down on their hate.
0: Well, let's let's just take the bakers in Colorado, right? That's where the whole wedding cake, (laughs) the wedding cake scenario yeah. it's all about money. You can call it your beliefs. That's fine.
1: Mm-hmm. But Oh
0: my God, if I made that cake for that gay couple, I would lose customers who are like, you can't do that. It comes down to money. It comes down to this, you know, but what might happen if you said I'm an inclusive bakery? Oh my God, you could have more business than you know what to do with.
1: No kidding. No and kidding. again,
0: there it is. It's about money. And I, and I don't like to say that, you know, I hate that that is like a reality, But I think if people could really start to think in those terms, it's like, what would we do if it wasn't about money and power? Yeah. What might we be able to do on the planet?
1: And I think, you know, and again, I I don't, this isn't Sunday school, but I think that we're going to make it Sunday
0: school because uh, we're both uh, from, mm -hmm, we can do mm -hmm.
1: that.
0: Because it's Jesus. my microphone and I have the power <laughs> to make this Sunday church if I want to. So
1: there. That's right. So sit Hold down. Hold on. Kids. Let me
0: go get my makeup on my wig because, girl, I can go.
1: Trust me, Wait, I am I- a big,
0: big black diva inside when I'm ready. So
1: I need to button up my collar. Just. Yeah, exactly. um, no, but what you just described is the antithesis of what Jesus yeah. was about when he was on this earth right and and power and money were the things that 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 uh was uh very he was very harsh on many times and pride i feel
0: i feel so sorry i well i don't so much anymore i'm gonna say it though because it kind of i feel sorry for somebody if (laughs) i'm sorry if the last thought you go to bed with at night is that i might be sleeping with my husband because i sure am not worried about you I, yeah. I, I, I hope you have a great sex life and like cuddle time with your husband, Kelly, but you're the last <laughs> thing that I'm worried about. You know, that I'm not really, I'm really not, Yeah, I'm really not <laughs> concerned about, are you getting to pee in a urinal versus having to go to the ladies restaurant? I, I don't really, that doesn't, that's not keeping me up at night folks. So I hate to say it, but y'all are pretty fucked up. If those are the things that are, you're so concerned about in your world. You're pretty
1: obsessed. Yeah. yeah. You're pretty obsessed about what's underneath my clothes. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And it and just,
0: it's, it's tough because I don't want to be that, I don't want to be that catty. I really don't. But when you open the door, it's like, shall we go there? Shall yeah. we really go there?
1: I know. And it's just really easy to point to a sin that you think you don't have. Right. right. And so if we, if they're going to categorize a group of people or a group of actions as sin mm-hmm. and you're a uh, married, uh, cis, uh, middle-aged woman, then you can obviously point to, um, right. something somebody else has. It's that whole, uh, get the log out of your eye before you try and get exactly. the square. Right. And so I just think that, uh, Jesus was probably the most radical, um, Uh, defiant, rebellious, hilarious uh, leader we've had in a really long time. And this is just my way of saying, you know, don't listen to the gatekeepers They're They got it wrong. And I know they've got it wrong. And so, yeah, this is just, I I know it's fiction. It's not non-fiction. Fiction, uh, apologetics, but that's what makes it different. And that makes mm-hmm. it really interesting. You know, there's a couple story pieces that I am really proud of. One is, is the gay relationships are the most healthy relationships in the book. Um, I find that, uh, in modern times, churches who uh have a marriage and sexuality statement. It's usually very, very narrow and doesn't even include the divorce people in their own nope. community, right? Mm-hmm. So nope. it's just not even it's not even up to date for hetero people, right? right. And so um my I hetero a- my
0: hetero friends just laugh because they'll they'll you know or when those who know me know I'm always going to respond this way. But you know somebody'll say, well, you know, gay people, they just they just can't make relationships last. I'm like you know, I, I, agree, you know, this 21 years I've been with my husband, let me tell you, that's like 81 years in gay time. So we've been pure, <laughs> through pure hell, honey. I mean, yeah. and I look good for being in a relationship for 81 years. Let me tell you, I'm looking really good for you do. you know, and it's <laughs> like really, and then people ask, and then I'll do this too. Like, yeah, it's been really tough because you see out of my entire life, I've been in relationships for 34 years. So yeah, I don't know how to do a relationship. I've been in a 13 year relationship and a 21 year relationship, but Hey, I'm a gay man. Oh, that's, I don't know how to do this.
1: Your you. sarcasm <laughs> it's so thick i love it it's like a good southern accent Your sarcasm
0: it's so that, black, that little black diva's inside there girl <laughs> Trust I, me. Love mm. I love her
1: i love her comes
0: out her name oh so you're not familiar with her her name is lemon odd pop mm-hmm. lemon oh. odd don't get it wrong it's not lemonade it is not it is too <laughs> lemon hyphen you can't forget the hyphen girl lemon hyphen odd not ah uh, aid and it's odd pop I love and you it. have to do the pop with the pop okay with the full with the full pronunciation like i when love it i've written see, it down when are, when are we going to see Lemonade pop and Dragon? like never mm.
1: she's a figment of my
0: imagination that's exactly where she's gonna stay because if she got who? she might she actually lives hurt in my the she does she lives <laughs> in my voice and she does come out on stage every once in a while like when i do a couple of my talks there is a talk where I bring she comes out. She comes out with me when I first come on stage. And she is a big old wig form with a bright pink beehive yes. wig. And it's and I walk it across stage and it gets set on this bar stool and it just sets her the whole time I'm doing this talk. And the whole <laughs> I, you know, brilliant. first people are like, What is and you know, then once I get to talking, you know, every once in a while I'll kind of like look over at it, but I don't say anything. I do not say one thing about that until the very end <clears throat> and at the very end you're going to be sitting in that cubicle thinking i really got need to go do my thing and be unapologetically who i am and then some of you are like oh my gosh it is time to just literally walk out of this relationship because it's no longer working and then there's yeah. those of you who are sitting there like i gotta go build something that's my own I start a podcast or something but here's the truth and i walk over to the wig and she gets put on my beautiful little bald head because you see, girls and boys, the truth is this the truth of who you are is far more powerful than the false truth you're pretending to be, honey. So you better go out there and show the world who you are. It's like, oh uh, my God, people have been waiting the whole freaking time, and suddenly she yeah. comes out,
1: and that's it. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: That's it. But um, you,
1: have, you have the gift, sir. Well, you have the gift you. of speech. Very well, well done. <laughs> but that, I, I think this is one her. of
0: the. Well, that's one of the things that I think is so beautiful about those of us who are willing to push the envelope. And I believe every author in their own way is willing to push the envelopes. Even if you're writing about the most boring fucking shit in the world, uh, here's how you do, here's how you set up an Excel spreadsheet that takes some audacity to write a book on how to do that. Because you know, yeah. there's people who don't know how to do that. So you're brave. You're going to like yeah. admit, Hey, i realize realized there's stupid people out there I'm not calling y'all that don't know how to do it it's stupid. I'm just saying everybody who's willing to go put their stuff out there in the world like that. Yeah. They're brave. Super yeah. brave.
1: If I feel brave. I'll be real honest with you. I do. Well, you should I feel brave. This is the story I've been wanting to tell for a really long time. And it's, it has humor and, and agony and, um, it, it, it challenges the reader, no matter what where you come from it's going to challenge the lgbtq community also and uh, i have scenes in there where um ollie my fabulous lesbian detective um actually fakes converting to the westboro baptist church people to, in order to get a confession out of them mm-hmm. and fakes being delivered from being a lesbian and it's very controversial in the book too her fellow detectives don't like it very much but um so this is an intriguing ride down the um faith and social politics um avenue it challenges everybody in there and I in the end I really think it's a beautiful challenging story and I hope that it I hope that it softens some hearts
0: and if it doesn't at least it's, out it's, okay, there.
1: Too. it's, it's okay too but it is
0: going to soften some hearts yeah I, I just you know it's going to I I said when my book came out, which I knew I was going to get hate mail. I did. I still do every once in a while. I'll get some this month because it's on sale. Right. Pushing, <laughs> you know, I'm pushing the gay agenda. Um. For every heart that comes back and wants to tear me apart, there's a heart that gets torn open to see
1: something different. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's the
0: way I've learned to look at these things, and like every podcast, I I know the risks I run. I mean. <laughs> You know, I've been having this conversation a lot lately with people. It's like, so you know, hey, you know, this is interesting times now because I cannot go hide. I can't right. hide my my stuff is out there. So if they decide to roll all this stuff back and and the witch hunts begin, there's no hiding me.
1: Yeah, and Not I had that to I be would. If, no. And I think at our age, because I think I'm close to your age. I'm 56. Um, oh no, I, honey,
0: I, I'm I'm just 21. So just.
1: <laughs> when you have the wig on you're 21
0: of course girl Mm -hmm. lemonade does not age she does not get old honey uh,
1: nor does she talk about it Mm, well no i i think that i couldn't have i i couldn't have been the author of this book when I was younger I don't think I would have been brave enough I would have been Mm -hmm. too scared of the hate I mattered to me what people thought of me I lived in the Christian world for so long Mm -hmm. that I didn't want to offend anybody and now I think at this age I am able to go you know what I don't care I don't care and I am brave enough to do this
0: but this is the way I see offending people if you're offended that's on you that's not on me right you made it offensive
1: I, I, I had lots of people tell me that I should change the name of Westboro Baptist Church in this book to something else because they're going to protest you. And I'm like, I, I let them I protest. That'll just bring the it'll bring more spotlight on it. Yeah, it'll anyway. bring more awareness. And right. uh, and the thing
0: is, is, it you know, OK, but they protested every pride march I've ever been at. It's yeah. not like they're out hiding. So why should I hide behind the truth that we see? This is yeah. this is what they do. There is no. Yeah there's no reason to change the name. Let's they they show up this way. So let's make them show up this way. It's that simple.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, Da Vinci Code, um, mm-hmm. Dan Brown, uh, he talked about the Catholic Church in two whole books, right? And right. so you can write a fictionalized version of a real church right. and not really have to worry about the heat of that. And like I said, I did talk to a lawyer and risk management people right. about that and they're like, you're good, you're good, but. It takes a level of courage because I know that it's not just Westboro Baptist Church who are going to not like this message. It's going to be people in my church, in my community, in my yep. circle of of influence, and so those are the hearts that I really I, I know Westboro's not going to change. I don't care about them. I want I want them to become smaller and smaller, but I don't. I'm not fighting them. I'm fighting my next door neighbor who still feels like they're the gatekeeper, and so. Yeah, it's it's trying to shoot for two audiences. I'm not going to get rich. I'm not going to get famous, but it's going to land in the hands of the person that it needs to be landing in. I wrote the book I needed, frankly. I needed this book. And so I just trust that it's going to land in the hands it's supposed to land in. But it is so cool. I have to tell you, I'm just so proud of it. It's just so juicy.
0: It is so juicy. And the juicy stuff in life is when we have the audacity, and I love that word, the audacity. I was just going to say that. This to speak the truth, to speak the truth. Yeah. And sometimes it's not pretty. I the last stage I came off of big stage that I came off of a couple of years ago, there's like 3000 people in the audience and I laid it out. I laid my heart out probably the biggest I've ever laid it out. Cause I'm like, you know, I really wanted to speak at this particular conference. And I just, okay, I got it. Let's do it. And one of the first people that came up to me is like, you know, you really don't have any compassion for your ex-wife. I said, well, I don't know who you are and you didn't live in my world, (laughs) but I'll tell you what, I don't think I'd be here and my kids wouldn't be where they are and well-adjusted and she wouldn't have moved on to a relationship that she seemed really happy in Mm -hmm. if I wasn't compassionate. And I turned and I walked away from that person.
1: Yeah. Mic drop. I loved it. Yeah. I love the word audacity because that's what it is. You're bold enough and brave enough to actually be authentic and vulnerable. That's where our power lies.
0: And there's a difference in doing that. Now, if if I had done that, let's let's roll back maybe 10 years ago, I would have been a son of a bitch about it because it would have been all about my ego, all about my ego. This has been a really hard thing for me to learn because I was raised in a very narcissistic home. Mm-hmm. by a very narcissistic person and so that that memory that cellular memory is in there and there are times that i i can feel that person showing up in me and i have to really fight it and i used to fight it that same way nope this no it's, nope that you, you know before gaslighting all that was a popular term I'm like oh yeah now i understand that big time but yeah. i've also learned to like how do i step into that and like hold that like space to like okay you you got to say your word mm-hmm I'm not going to waste my breath fighting you other than to say, here's my fact. And when I did that, that was my fact. And then to walk away and, and, and move on. Um, It's an interesting space when you can find yourself capable of being that audacious.
1: Oh yeah. Because what they want, what they want (laughs) is they want
0: to pull you into the dialogue that's useless. There's no reason to have that kind of dialogue. So I was interviewing another, another guest not long ago, and we got kind of in a similar conversation about like, how do you have these conversations and try to meet in the middle when there's no middle for the person you're trying to do this with? Right. So you just learn to like, this is what it is and move on, you know, and um, it's taken a long time for me to be able to get there. But I also feel like it's kind of what Jesus did a lot of. Mm-hmm. He stated the fact and he moved on.
1: He did. There's but so many the-
0: place places in the Bible where it's like he did his mic drop and moved
1: on. Yeah. Or he said if they're not accepting brush the dust off your sandals and leave that town. Yeah. He said that too. my daughter is transgender and uh, she she did not transition to female until she was almost 30 years old. She was 28, 29 when it began to happen. And so I really trusted her experience after I fully understood it, that this is an adult making this decision and she's finally yep. free. Right. And so as a mom, I'm really protective. And we were sitting at a bingo game in a bar one day and this really drunk man came up and began Uh, At first respectfully saying, I don't know, are you a girl? Are you a boy? What are you? And he's drunk and he's like, so how do you like, and he's starting to ask inappropriate questions and I'm sitting next to him. So the mom in me is about ready to kick his ass out of there. Right. And so really just make a scene and push him out. But my daughter saw it as an opportunity To teach and to have grace. And it was the most Christ-like thing I've ever seen in my life. This, This man who I thought was a fool and disrespectful, she saw as an opportunity to help him understand. And she was kind and she was generous and she explained things in a way that she felt comfortable with. And then he went away. And I, that was an opportunity, you're right. There are times when we have to have boundaries and protect ourselves because we're never gonna convince those peoples and, and their hostility, I don't want it on me, right? But then what? there are other times when we realize that we have an opportunity maybe to soften someone's mind or change mm-hmm. their mind. And so when my daughter did that, my transgender daughter gave that man grace and kindness, it was Christ-like. That's the only Mm. thing I can say. And it was beautiful. And it taught me lesson that not everything has to be defended with hostility, right? It can be also an opportunity to change someone. So, yeah.
0: One of my most memorable, and I put, I pushed the, I pushed the envelope on this one, but I'm like, I, I just need to make, I need to make a point here. And one of my most memorable opportunities speaking in the college space was in a gender studies week, and there was probably a hundred kids in this room. And there was myself, a lesbian, a, a ch- transgender woman, and then an ally, a parent. <clears throat> By then, me being the guy who came out at 36 was kind of becoming like, yeah, so what? <laughs> so what? You were married to kids. Okay, you chose to be gay. No, I didn't choose to be a gay. But yeah, you know, hey, whatever, right? Yeah. But by then, so this was probably six, seven years ago. Transgender was becoming like, oh wow, what, ooh, ah, you know the, <laughs> they were the new, you know, wax museum thing. Like, look, this is what a transgender looks like, right? Yeah. So we're in this conversation. My my friend Michelle um, has talking about her transition, and she transitioned when she was fifty two. So was quite wow. into life when this happened. Brave. <clears throat> and of course we had the one student who just thought they were going to be the person to derail the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. And they went there. So did you snip it off? And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to let Michelle know. I'm going, I'm going to be the guy to go handle this. And I grabbed Michelle's hand and said, let me, let me take this one. Yeah. And it just so happened he was sitting on the front row and there was a space right next to him, and so I got up and then I walked up to him and said, "Hey, man, what's your name?" And he kind of knew who he might. And he, he said, "I won't say his name here, but well, mm-hmm. let's call him Tony." He, Tony, mm-hmm. I'm like oh, Tony, you know what, man? Uh, you look like the kind of guy is pretty popular. Is that true? And he goes, "Well, yeah." And he knew I was. He knew I was going somewhere with this, but I'm like, yeah. I'm buddying up to him, right? I yes. said, I bet you were actually, I said, you look, you know, you're kind of built. You look like you probably play some sports, right? He goes, yeah. And then, and suddenly he started to like soften up and I'm like, okay, cool. And I, and I bet if I'm guessing right, you're probably not gay, right? Oh no, no. I bet you actually, you kind of like, you're pretty popular with the gals. Cause you're a good looking guy. <laughs> He's kind of getting embarrassed by it. Right. Yeah. He goes, well, yeah. I said, you got a girlfriend? Well, no, I'm dating a couple of girls. Oh, I said good good guy you know Uh, let me give you some insight from a gay guy dating multiple people actually will help you be really good in your relationships he had no idea what I was doing right and then I said so do you have a dick do you have a dick man I'm just curious do you have a dick he goes why are you asking me that I said I don't know why would you ask her that do you see how that feels I don't want to hear you ever do that again in front of me when I'm on this campus again and I just got up and went and sat back down and said, okay, Michelle, if you want to answer Tony now, go ahead. And the whole room stood up and clapped.
1: Brilliant.
0: Because Brilliant. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to meet you, buddy. I'm going to meet you right in your bullshit. Yeah. Because if you want to ask her if she had it snipped, I'm going to ask you if you have a dick. Yeah. Because you're acting like one. I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I'm like, I wish I would have said that. But I'm like, eh. and I knew I pushed the envelope there because this was a P flag thing. But I'm like, I'm right. not letting this happen. This, yeah. No, this is where you start to teach the deeper lessons.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's hard because I, I risked everything in that moment. I truly risked it all. And I'm like, you know, if I had never got asked to come back to that campus, I would have been totally okay with it because that would have been my moment. I'm like, I'm out, checked out, but I did what I came here to do. Yeah. And I don't advocate. But how grateful I, was well, Michelle?
1: Yeah. Oh How yeah. Great. And she can hold she her probably own. thinks you, she probably thinks you have a halo and wings after that. Moment, well, yeah. Right? And
0: she holds her own. This wasn't like, I felt like I had to do it, but I was of at, course. I was at that moment where I'm like, well, I've heard this come up in different ways before, but because he was like a little cocky shit, I'm like, Oh no, yeah. no, 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 no. And because yeah. I'm a big guy, I'm like, okay, Papa bear's going to go meet you buddy. You gonna pull something <laughs> like that. Let the big six foot four, 300 pound guy come sit next to you and put you on the spot. Yeah. Now do I advocate that all the time? No, because well, especially in this day and age, who knows? <laughs> I could get, to get right. blown away by something in a classroom, but Right. I think the lesson is meet people where they are. Yeah. And try to help them see where they are and how ridiculous it sounds.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and that puts a lot of intuitive pressure on, mm-hmm. on people, you know, who are trying to live their truth. You know, are you at the, the bingo bar being Christ-like and showing yeah. grace to the drunk guy who's basically asking the same question, or do you need to be firmer right. and more philosophical? And that, yeah. you know, that's, that's a lot of intuitive uh, wisdom. And I think this community, LGBTQ plus community, I I think they know how to read a room real fast. And
0: one of the the funniest things I heard recently, and it's (laughs) funny because I think it's so powerful. Mm
1: -hmm. And I don't
0: remember who the the comedian was. Um, I think it may be Matt Leone or something. He's an Instagram guy that I follow. He's like, so, you know, everybody's got their vaccine cards, right? Or at least those of us who like, hey, we're going to do this, right? he goes but you know what you need next you're going to need a genital card you're going to have to have a general card that proves you what you have underneath because that's what they're going to start requiring to go to the bathroom so i'm like slay <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, i need my genital card please you know yeah. so um but anyway okay so we've yeah. now solved the world's problems
1: we have what else So should what we should
0: do? we i don't know i gotta <laughs> i gotta get ready to go to costa rica so i guess that's what i'll get ready to do. So.
1: Oh. Wow, that sounds I'll fabulous. Just,
0: I'll just drop that in to make everybody jealous. But um yeah.
1: You, you are you're
0: my you you are my last piece <laughs> of work before I get to go head out to Costa Rica for a week. So
1: well, I have been called a piece of work before. I know. I figured I'll, you'd I'll pick
0: up on that. I'm like, I wonder, <laughs> Michelle. I, mean, I, I just wonder if she'd go pick up on that.
1: Like, yeah, yep,
0: yep. There she went. She got yep. there. I, I didn't I even call it. you Michelle, but it's like, hmm, the girl, I knew we'd do well together on this. So, I know. Yeah.
1: I know. I love it. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of what you're doing because I think that you are giving voice to so much. In the community, not only just the fabulous pieces of it, in which there's wonderful creativity and courage and and change and hope and growth, but you're also giving voice to those who have been really hurt and really devastated, and giving them a place to to, to hear someone else share their story and really explain the depth of diverse reactions to them coming out all the time. And so, or coming out themselves, but other people coming out all the time, but I just, I love what you're doing. I'm privileged to be a part of it. And I, I, I'm crazy about you. I think you're amazing what you're doing. Thank Uh, you. you.
0: Right back at you. And then what I love about what we get to do, like those Mm -hmm. of us who, uh, who choose to put ourselves out there Mm -hmm. is we get to make this approachable from lots of different directions. Oh, whether yes. it's a podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's speaking from a stage, whether it's having a simple conversation with some drunk in a bar with your transgender <laughs> daughter. Yep. The thing is, and I'm going to come bring it into my brand. It all comes down to when there's no excuses, and no fears. There's nothing to apologize for. You just show it. up. You just show I,
1: up. I love that. And that gives everyone else permission to do the same. Mm-hmm. It, it, well, it gives them permission to
0: stuff. do the same as long as they're not dicks. I'm just going to put it out there. You can <laughs> show up no fears, no excuses, no apologies, but don't be a dick about what you're trying to be unapologetic about. That's Perfect. my, that's my rule. So
1: that's a pretty All right. good
0: rule. So now that we're besties, we got to do this again yes. sometime soon.
1: And I, I would uh, love to,
0: I'd, lo- I'd love to do this. Like, you know, come back with like okay rick here's the war stories from the book coming out
1: <laughs> i've been banned <laughs> yeah. here
0: i've been called this but you know what here's all the people who've read them. like thank you so much for this week okay it, it, i mean i just said that and i had chills because i know that's what's going to happen you know yeah. now that the book is out yeah. and and you're going to go through it you know this there's going to be I some do. people going to hate on you you're gonna yeah. get banned from crossing the line in the kansas <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes that's true but i know where the back door is but the yeah, but go. the truth is is that i i would love another conversation with you about this and and when you get a chance to read the book too i think that the conversation will be even more interesting yep. so yep. Exactly. i i appreciate you i thank you, you for too. giving me a chance to talk about uh my rated r jesus book yeah. Appreciate and,
0: it. and i'm going to throw something to the people listening that if you want a copy of the rated r jesus book send me an email, send it to rick at rickclemens.com and I will make sure you get a copy of it from my Amazon account into your home. So um,
1: uh, I want I to give you, a copy sir. away.
0: So um, anyway, thank all right. You.
1: Well, it's available on Amazon now. You can get it yeah, in a Kindle version or a soft cover or a hard cover. The hard cover is gorgeous. Awesome. So yeah come find awesome, it. Awesome, awesome,
0: Well, thanks again, Kelly, for being here and sharing yourself and doing what you do in the world and showing people that to live your life uncloseted just means you got to go camp. You got to go climb that mountain of hope.
1: That's what you got to go do. Beautiful. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate you. Hey, hey,
0: hey, life uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us